there was a big gunfight going on to the right. It was an army group. Uh, they were in a big gunfight. We were on our way to a very high, high value target. So we didn't need to help those guys out. And we come around the corner and I look over, we're sitting in the back of Humvees, like they're pickup trucks. They're guys inside. And then we're four guys outside, like sitting in the bed, like of a pickup truck. And I see this Iraqi police officer. These are not the same police officers like we have in the United States. They're very tribal. They're very loyal to their tribe, not to the government or anything else. Okay. And so we come around the corner and I know his, like, there's a big gunfight over here and he gets on the phone and he calls. And I'm like, that is not a good plan. Like something about that is not right. I feel like I should shoot him, but I didn't. Maybe someone else will shoot him. Maybe someone else. Will, I don't know. And about 90 seconds later, an IED blows up approximately 10 feet away from us. And then it just missed us. It was an EFP, an explosive force penetrator. So it's a, it's a shape charge. It's a, a copper, uh, like a Chinaman's hat from those old, you know, Kung Fu movies. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a cone shaped. And what happens, you, you pack explosives behind it and then it turns into this shape charge and it cuts through any armor pretty much on the planet. Holy crap. And it's like whole molten magma you know, copper just cutting through everything. Wow. And it just missed the back of our, the vehicle that I was in. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less, and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler, and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality, and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we are going to get naked with the naked warrior, William Brahman. William is the founder and CEO of Naked Warrior Recovery, a CBD company focused on the recovery of veterans and first responders. He's a retired Navy SEAL with 26 years of service. He has served in both traditional SEAL teams, taught as a SEAL sniper instructor, and served on teams that specialized in undersea operations whose missions must be approved by the President of the United States. After retiring from the military in 2018, William realized he was suffering from physical, psychological symptoms that negatively impacted his well-being and quality of life. Migraines, severe anxiety, chronic pains, difficulty focusing, difficulty sleeping, falling asleep, and depression are some of the symptoms he struggled with on a daily basis. And like so many others, he used alcohol and prescription drugs to mask the symptoms he had. Then he discovered CBD and it changed his life. It has had such an impact on him. He started Naked Warrior Recovery to bring the highest quality products to the market and to teach the get naked mindset. William? Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, brother. Thank you for having me here. Like, I love your energy. Like, you just started off like, boom, let's go. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, mate, i got to bump it up, mate. I know we're in a good energy here today <laughs> get together, brother. So a place I always love to start, man, is what's giving you the most gratitude today, mate? I, you know what? Just waking up in the morning gives me a lot of gratitude. Any day that I wake up and put my feet on the floor is a good day. So 
that's the best way to start. Beautiful. What time do you start, mate, by the way? I start at, well, it depends on the day and if I have calls early in the morning, but I'm usually a 6 a.m. kind of guy. Get up at 6. Yeah. Uh, generally, I go, so I live about a 10-minute walk from the beach here in Hawaii. I walk Beautiful. to the beach and I do about a mile run on the beach and then I walk home. So uh, that's how I start my day generally. Then I get some coffee and, and do some other stuff and, and then, you know, start doing email and things like that. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I start my day. It's getting, you know, the sun's rising a little bit earlier. So I'm going to bump that back to 530 because I'd like to get out just before the sun rises and then watch the sun while I run, you know, on the beach. You like to beat the sun every morning? I, I, you know, I, I like to. Beautiful. That's awesome, man. I don't Love it. listen. I don't like getting up early. I hate that. I am not a morning person, but the gratitude that I have by getting up and going out there and like just seeing like the beauty of the world is like that. That's worth the suffering of getting out of bed in the morning. Do you think that's the, like the hurdle that got you over that? Because that's something I've kind of struggled with because I had to get up early when I used to uh, have a job. Then I became financially free and then I just like sleep in, right? Um, right? And then sometimes I get up for certain meetings and whatnot, but I've never been able to stick to be getting up early in the morning. It, what gets you juiced, dude? Is it like being outside in nature and like feeling the fresh air and seeing the sun come up? I think that's it. I mean, I my entire life, my entire military career, I hated getting up early. I hated, I hated, I hated. I got out of the military and we talked about it a little bit in the intro. You know, I was suffering. I'm like, I don't need to get up. I don't need to get up. I don't want to get up. Now I want to get up. I have that desire to get up and start the day and start crushing the day because, you know, the way I start the day is, you know, kind of how I finish today. And that's really how I start the next day. So it's, it's just, I just had a change in mindset. I had a change in like, I'm getting up for me now. It's not for someone else. It's not for, you know, a job. It's not for whatever. It's, I'm getting up for me. And once I was able to figure that out for my own self, it, like, it made all the difference. I might try going for a run in the mornings and trying to beat the sun myself and have that experience yeah. and uh, switching you know, it, it, it out. It helps, like, I don't just get up and start running. It's like, because it's about a half, three quarters of a mile to the beach. Uh -huh. And uh, so it's about a 10 minute walk. So I'm like, I'm pretty warmed up. And then I get to the beach, I shirt off and flip flops, you know, off to the side. And then, and then, you know, a nice little jog, get my body warmed up and a little sweat on and then walk home and like a little cool down. So, and then I start coffee. Freedom. You've inspired me, mate. I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. Sounds good. So awesome. um, I'm pretty interested. What impactful relationships or events um, had an impact on you in your childhood that shaped the years to follow? I think, you know, I grew up poor. My family had not a lot of money. My dad was, uh, he was retired from the Navy, but he didn't go very far. But then he was a truck driver and then he had some accident and his, his right bicep completely disintegrated and he couldn't grow it back. Um, it was, it was a crazy thing. So he was, you know, disabled. Um, but you know, I watched a lot of like Kung Fu theater cause we didn't have, we had three channels when I was growing up. Uh, so like Kung Fu theater or John Wayne movies. And I think those had an impact on me, you know, number one, I wanted to be a ninja when I, when I grew up, <laughs> I, I'm still working on that one. That's awesome. And, uh, but, uh, you know, someone told me about, I was in the, I was heavily involved in the boy Scouts. I was an Eagle Scout and I, I met a kid that, you know, he said when he grows up, he wants to be a, a Navy SEAL and an F-14 fighter pilot. 
uh, at 14 Tomcats from the movie Top Gun. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's cool. I want to do that too. And what is a Navy SEAL? And he explained that to me. And then uh, eventually I joined the Navy and, and went down that road. Boom, man. And what is it like? You know, we've seen a lot of movies on like Navy SEALs in the military. And I don't know how much of that is like Hollywood or like fluffed up or how much is truth. Like, what's it really, really like in the day in, in a life of a Navy SEAL? It depends when you everything ebbs and flows you know there's we do a in the traditional seal teams we do a uh there's a 24 month cycle so we you know let's just say we start we go to six months of professional de professional development we go to uh sniper school breacher school uh jump master school dive maintenance diving supervisor school we go to all these schools or maybe like special other special operations kind of schools uh just for our professional development to give us the qualifications to do the things that we need to do in the platoon as a seal when we're deployed then we do six months of what we call unit level training and that's we're on the road pretty much almost the whole time uh where we learn how to do land warfare stuff we learn how to navigate in the woods with a map and a compass without a gps people forget mm -hmm. how to do that uh mm -hmm. we learn how to be in a gunfight and learn how to shoot move and communicate you know we start with you know, maybe four guys, and then we will open that up. And like over time of the, the few weeks of training, we'll have 40 men out there in a field shooting, moving and communicating. And this is a very, it's a very dangerous block of training, uh, especially when you get more people and then you're doing it at night with just lasers and night vision. And you have, you know, targets shooting back at you with just, you know, just flames to, to simulate, you know, actual bad guys. Uh, and then being able to maneuver forces teaching the leadership how to not engage the target because if they're shooting the target then they're not actually leading so i like to say that leaders get no bullets because if i see one of my leaders shooting at a target that means he's not looking at his team not looking at what the bad guys are doing nor is he looking at the terrain to figure out what um the next call should be so uh so we go through that block of training we learn how to drive vehicles off-road uh, we learn how to do close quarters combat. You know, we'll start very, very basic. No matter how seasoned the guys are, we'll start back with just two guys going into a center fed room. And then we'll go up to very advanced, multiple people going into a room, multiple targets, multiple uh, scenarios, uh, cold hits, you know, go to scenarios where we've never been before buildings, maybe a different town um, and uh, learn every aspect of that. Uh, we learn urban warfare. We learn um, uh, what else do we learn? We learn a lot, uh, you know, combat swimmer diving, where we dive on a, a rebreather, so there's no mm -hmm. bubbles. You can be underwater for up to four hours, wow. never breaking the surface, not a bubble touching the, you know, going to the surface and then go into a, an area, um, you know, placing a, a package on whatever we need to do, and then navigating our way back out underwater using only a compass a depth gauge and a watch. And uh, so that's six months of training. Then we go to more situate, we call it situational training with where are we going to deploy? Are we going to Africa? Are we going to Iraq, Afghanistan, South America, somewhere else in the world? Then we do more mission specific uh, training for that. And then we deploy for six months. And so that's the day in the life of a Navy SEAL. Wow, man. More that's or less. 
that's some adventure right there, dude. And I'm sure, obviously, there's like the hard physical aspect to that. I'm assuming maybe the psychological part may even be like harder. Like, how did, how were you grounding yourself daily from a psychological perspective to be able to keep your shit together um, while you're actually in these scenarios? I'm sure it's really fucking exciting and like a little bit overwhelming sometimes, probably. It's, it's very overwhelming and it's, it's not quite as sexy as I make it sound. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, is very hard. Um, you know, but you're there as a team, you're there as a platoon or a task unit or whatever the, whatever we're calling the, the team that day. And, you know, you have older guys, you have guys that are, you've been around for a little while, and then you have brand new guys. And so there's just a lot of mentorship that's happening and dynamics that happen, happen along the way. So the senior and middle guys are really training and helping bring up the, the new guys and teaching them the, the tactics, the techniques and the procedures what's expected of them. And, you know, what's cool about that kind of dynamic is if a senior guy, let's see me as a senior guy, I'm not like quite feeling it today and I'm not performing at the level that I need to. And I've got this junior guy who's, I've been like kind of riding him pretty hard. And he's like, what's up? You can't keep up with me today. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. Right on. And so it's a, it's a very healthy kind of, uh, um dynamic that uh that that happens out there and and you know a little bit of competition and so that helps you know uh keep things keep things real keep things fun as well that's awesome talking about fun and excitement what's one of the most exciting you know things that happened when you're a navy seal oh let's see that's it's a good question i mean i got to do a lot of fun stuff you know, I also had to do a lot of like admin stuff, which is never fun, but I always, you know, I would do all the admin stuff and then get to go jump out of airplanes or get to go, you know, just like, I think the most gratifying thing is me as a senior guy doing some of that uh, um, mock gunfight, you know, like you're just like, you, you know, just like chaos happening on the battlefield. And I get to sit in there next to a brand new leader and help develop that leader. You know, I'll say, listen, mm. I, I'm not going to make any calls. I'm never going to question anything that you say. Uh, but I'm just here in case you get stuck. And I give you all the, he, he has all the training that he needs, but sometimes they get stuck. They get kind of overwhelmed with so many things going on and they know they're not supposed to engage the target, but they're like, what? And, and they kind of get stuck on what call they should make. So maybe we're in a, in some sort of a, a gunfight and, he's not making the decision that he needs to. And I already know what the call should be because I was already analyzing the area before the, the contact happened. And I'll say something like, what do you think about that piece of terrain right there? And if he still does it, what do you think about, you know, us moving around that terrain and, and outmaneuvering the enemy? And then they, it registers and then they make the call that they're supposed to make. And we, we move. And then the next time he's in a scenario like that, he already has a little more information. And so those doing things like that are very gratifying. You know, really, uh, I like to say that leadership is really about training your replacement. You should work yourself out of a job. And so those were things that were, were very, very gratifying in, uh, in the SEAL teams in, in kind of a, a leadership perspective. Another thing that, that happened, I remember on a deployment, I was in a admin position as an operations guy we were in Fallujah, the task unit were, was going out, they needed more bodies. And I'm like, oh, I'll go with you over here. So yeah, we'll take you old staff guy, uh, old used up guy. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I don't care. I'll, you know, I'll be the security guy. I'll be, I don't need to 
I just want to go out on, on missions. And I remember we secured a target, but we needed to take down some other buildings. And so they, we, we wrapped up a bunch of guys outside, handed them off to some Marines. And then we, you know, us security guys, us older guys, us admin guys, uh, went and we took over some other buildings. And I remember the guy that was in front of me, he did the workup. He did that whole like 18 months of training before we deployed uh, with, the, with the platoon because he was working with the platoon and I didn't. I was just the operations guy. I was making sure all the logistics were done for everything, but I did the last workup. I did the last deployment. Um, and I know that we changed some tactics, techniques and procedures back there. And so I'm behind him and it was just me and him. And so we're going to, and we're clearing this, this whole building ourselves. So I, I give him a squeeze and I say, oh, it's just us. And I give him the squeeze and he goes in, we start clearing. And then we go to a, an area. It's very easy to do like, just like one person goes left, one person goes right. But then there's a scenario where maybe it's a wider door and then two people can go at the same time. And there is a very specific nonverbal communication that uh, takes place. I didn't know if they had changed the tactics, techniques, or procedures for this nonverbal cue to like just say, all right, let's both go at the same time or not. He didn't know if I knew that because they covered it because I didn't do the whole workup. And so we're sitting there, we're both like holding on a on a on an area on a room. We're both waiting to go in. And and I'm like, we're waiting too long. I can say, like, tell him what to do, or I can just see if he knows what I'm talking about with my nonverbal cue. And so I gave him a barrel nod. He gave it back to me. And then we cleared the room and we, we went on and, and did our thing and, and finished clearing the building. And later on, I heard from my boss, he was like, I heard you were like the man out there tactically and la 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 on, on that, you know, on that last mission. I was like, who said that? And then I realized, oh, it was the guy that I was clearing that building with because I initiated the nonverbal comms that he didn't even think I knew because he was thinking the same thing as me. Does he know what to do if I do this, you know, this barrel nod? And so, and I was like, he's, you know, more senior. He did the last workup. I'm going to go off his lead. And so that was very like kind of gratifying as well. Like, yeah, I, that's right. The old guy still has it. <laughs> nice, mate. Um, what was the most peculiar situation you found yourself in when you're like, how the heck did we get in this kind of situation? There was a time in Iraq. I did a lot of stuff in Iraq. There was a big gunfight going on to the right. It was an army group. Uh, they were in a big gunfight. We were on our way to a very high, high value target. So we didn't need to help those guys out. And we come around the corner and I look over, we're sitting in the back of Humvees, like they're pickup trucks. They're guys inside. And then we're four guys outside, like sitting in the bed, like of a pickup truck. And I see this Iraqi police officer. These are not the same police officers like we have in the United States. They're very tribal. They're very loyal to their tribe, not to the government or anything else. Okay. And so we come around the corner and I know his, like, there's a big gunfight over here and he gets on the phone and he calls and I'm like, that is not a good plan. Like something about that is not right. I feel like I should shoot him, but I didn't. Maybe someone else will shoot him. Maybe someone else. Will, I don't know. And about 90 seconds later, an IED blows up approximately 10 feet away from us. And then it just missed us. It was an EFP, an explosive force penetrator. So it's a, it's a shape charge. It's a, a copper, uh, like a Chinaman's hat from those old, you know, Kung Fu movies. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a cone shaped. And what happens, you, you pack explosives behind it, and then it turns into this shape charge and it cuts through any armor pretty much on the planet. Holy crap. And it's like whole molten magma, you know, copper, just cutting through everything. Wow. And, um, and it just missed the back of our, the vehicle that I was in. And then 
about 30 seconds later, the next one went off and it just missed us. And the only reason that it missed us is because we, we drive like idiots when we're on the road. We drive mm. as fast as we possibly can. We drive blacked out. But this time we were under streetlights, so it didn't matter. People were shooting at us. And I was like, how are we in this position? I should have shot that guy. And I'm like, oh my God, I should have, whatever. It is what it is now. So we're getting shot at from up here and there's still a gunfight going on over here. IEDs are blowing up and just barely missing us by just a foot. And, um, and then one of the guys that was in the back of the truck, so it was four guys in the back, three senior guys and a very junior guy who only has one deployment. And he was like, so fellas, wow. uh, do you think maybe we should like get a little lower in the back of the truck? We were all like, yep, you're right. New guy, we're going to do what you say. <laughs> and like, we all got down and we're scanning, looking for people shooting at us, but we couldn't see them because we were under lights and we can't see outside into the darkness because the, uh, the streetlights were blinding our night vision. So that was wow, not a, man. not a, not an awesome place to be. Wow. That's pretty wild, dude. Crazy stuff, man. Um, so <clears throat> I love your shirt there, mate. Get naked. I know you've got a get naked mindset. Now I'm Australian. So my get naked mindset is probably having a couple of beers, ripping my clothes off and running around like a hooligan. But you got a you different You can do one. that too. <laughs> <laughs> so apart, apart from doing that, mate, um, do you want to unpack the get naked mindset? Yeah. So when I retired from the military, and it actually started really before I retired from the military, uh, I got a lot of baggage. I don't call it PTSD. I just call it baggage because some of it, I, you know, it's crap that I carry around. Some of it I put in my bags and some of it other people have tried to put in my bags, uh, whether it was stuff through work, stuff through, you know, not awesome relationships, maybe some toxic relationships that I've been in. And they just continue to try and put their crap into my bag and I end up carrying it around. Uh, or, you know, another way that I think about it is, you know, I'm always carrying around this armor, this ego, uh, because I feel like I'm always under attack. And, you know, I felt like that, you know, really towards the end of my career and, and after I had retired. And, uh, and so I, I was drinking a lot of booze, a lot of vodka was my, my drink of choice uh, to turn the noise down. I had a lot of noise in my head just to turn that noise down so that I could go to sleep at night. And what I found is, um, you know, I, I would drink until I got tired enough to go to sleep. But the other way, if you frame that differently, I was drinking until I passed out at night. That's not a very healthy way to like go through life or live whatever, or even start the next day um, and try and perform at a, at, a, at a high level. And so um, what I had to figure out was a way to turn that noise down. And so a friend of mine, I had heard of this, this molecule called CBD and CBD was, you know, it was, it was still illegal when I had heard about it. So I wasn't really willing to try it, but I uh, eventually tried it after I retired, after it became federally legal in the United States. And um, I like to say that it just turned the noise down enough for me to like turn off that negative self-talk so that I could control some of the positive self-talk. And that uh, what I took, what I did with that positive self-talk is I came up with what I like to call the get naked mindset. And when I say get naked, I mean, like, I don't mean physically naked, but you can totally do that after a couple of beers um, <laughs> and run around totally fine. Um, I like to do that myself, but I mean, it's like, it's really about taking that armor off that ego off that you're, that you're carrying around, take that baggage off that you've just been carrying around all this time. That's just weighing you down because, you know, in the steel teams, when we go into harm's way, we put our, put our armor on and, 
you know, sometimes it helps us out and saves our lives. Other times it wasn't really necessary. But when we come back off that mission, we take the armor off and then we hit the get naked, hit the showers. And we don't do that in, in our regular life. We just keep wearing that armor around, you know, when we get home, when we go to bed, when we get up in the morning, we're just like, continue to wear this. And so what get naked is about, it's about uh, taking that ego off, taking that armor off, kind of exposing yourself, being a little bit vulnerable so you can find the healing that you need. Because we all suffer from something at some point in our life. Maybe it's something that happened to us as, as a child. Maybe it's something that has just happened, you know, little things over time that has make it, made us defensive. Uh, and so we don't, we never take that armor off. We never find that, you know, time to be a little bit vulnerable. And so that's really like the get naked mindset. But what I also was able to do is I turned naked into an acronym. And so it's really a way to, you, to live your life. It's, it's what I like to call five seal secrets uh, of, of how to improve your life. And so naked is an acronym. It's, the N stands for the N is for never quit. And I don't mean never quit smoking or drinking or anything like that. I mean, never quit on yourself, never quit yeah. trying to improve who you are or where you're trying to go. Um, the A is accept failure because failure has been the biggest teacher of my life. I don't learn a lot of things when I'm doing things right. I learn mostly through failure. Yeah, I know you told me to not to do that, but I had to do it to find out why not. So I you know, accept failure and use that failure as a foundation for your success. The K is kill mediocrity because let's face it, we are at war every day with mediocrity. The media wants us to be mediocre. Technology wants us to be mediocre. They want us to be dependent on them. And you know, if you think about how many times you have um, made excuses to not do what you promised yourself, how many times have you decided not to get up, not to work out, not to attack your goals for the day? Those are the times we become mediocre. And we, we, so the way I say, you know, to kill mediocrity in your life is to compete. And I mean, compete in kindness, compete in generosity, compete in gratitude. And once you learn to compete, then start competing against your ego because your ego knows exactly what to tell you to make you mediocre. It knows your strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, so that's killing mediocrity. The E is expose your fears. And I don't mean lions and tigers and bears. I mean the fears that live in the back part of your brain that you don't want to share with anyone. Those fears, those thoughts, those stresses, those anxieties that come out when you are, you know, alone in your car, when you're, you know, sitting up at night trying to go to bed and all these noise starts happening in your head. Those thoughts, those stresses, those fears that come out and wake you up from, from your sleep. And so, uh, there's lots of ways to do that. You can do talk therapy. You can do things that scare you, like maybe take Brazilian jiu-jitsu or you have, you have a little fear of water, take swimming lessons. Maybe learn how to surf. If you have a fear of climbing, go take a mountain climbing class or a, you know, a climbing class um, or something like that. But you know, one of the things that a friend of mine likes to say is he says that fear does not exist on paper. And so what he'll do is when he has all those stresses and anxieties sort of consuming him is he'll pull over, uh, he'll go to a Starbucks, he'll order a, a, a cup of coffee, and he'll get a pen and a piece of paper. And he'll write down all of those thoughts, all of those stresses onto a piece of paper, and then he'll read them. And he'll read them. He's like, really, that's that that little thing is really what's bothering me. That's what's giving me all the stress and anxiety. And so what I like to say is if you expose your fears, you start to control the fears and your fears no longer control you. And then lastly, the D is to do the work because, you know, in, in today's society of instant gratification, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, we've forgotten what it's like to do work, what it takes to get to really a truly an end goal. And so, you know, 
in the SEAL teams, we have, and I was talking to someone earlier today about this, or maybe I was actually talking to you just a little bit ago. Uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the SEAL teams, you're expected to perform better today than you did yesterday. You're always expected to get a little bit better every single day. And that's why they say that the only easy day was yesterday, that slogan <laughs> of the SEAL teams. Yeah, and yeah. so that's, you know, you're doing the work. And there was this, there's this phrase out there that says Rome wasn't built in a day. Oftentimes people use that as an excuse. Uh, it's going to take, I don't know, I'm not really feeling it today. Well, I guarantee you that Rome was built every single day until it became an empire. And so that's really what the get naked mindset is about. It's about taking that ego off, setting it in the corner, being vulnerable, but it's also about never quitting, accepting failure, kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. And I have like a whole big keynote that I give on that. As you can see, I am pretty passionate about that. And, uh, and so I'm going to stop there. I'll pause there and turn it back over to you. Oh man. It's like, you know, it's fucked up that that's not being taught in our schools. You know, like imagine if this was actually being taught in our schools and people were actually prepared for life, you yeah. know, beyond like math and, you know, English. <laughs> right. It, you know, it's, it's funny that you, that you just said that because I gave it, you know, I gave my, my, my keynote presentation uh, at an event in California in January, a couple months ago. And that was exactly the question that someone in the crowd said, why is this not being taught in school? I was like, that's a great question. It should yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had a stab at answering that question, I think the powers that be want people to be mediocre, um, you know, so they can fit into the workforce and everything like that. So we have to go against the stream and step outside and, and step up. So one yeah, of the 100%. things you talked about, mate, was uh, being vulnerable. And, you know, for some people, that's probably easier than others. I'm assuming to approach that kind of uh, quality is probably, you know, almost unheard of, or a little bit more challenging with Navy SEALs and, and yes. um, military people. So, like, do, do you have, like, an icebreaker or how do you approach that? That's, you know, that was probably one of my hardest things to do is, so I grew up poor, so I always felt like I had to prove and made fun of as a kid I was called poor white trash and all this other stuff and so and now I'm like look at me now but that's a different conversation um but it was it was really hard for me I didn't want to uh I never wanted to show that I didn't know how to do something and I you know I was a like I barely got through high school um I was not a good student I was not a good athlete either so I was always had to work a little bit harder than someone else. And I never, ever wanted to show any sort of weakness or the think that I couldn't anyone to think that I couldn't do something, even if I didn't know how to do it, I was still going to try to do it and, and to the best of my ability and, and better than what I even thought I could do. Um, but there was a guy, a leader in the SEAL teams that I respected a lot. And one day he said, I'm going to go get help for some stuff that I'm struggling with. And that really caught me off guard because I was, I was actually fearful for him mm. in the kind of retribution that he was going to get because he showed some sort of uh, vulnerability. He showed some kind of weakness and I'm using yeah. air quotes there. Mm. And what I found is it actually takes so much more courage mm -hmm. to be vulnerable than it does to be macho yeah like if you can i because that's one of the hardest things for me to do is to find the courage and the bravery to be a little bit vulnerable to share 
what's bothering me, share the fact that I don't know how to do something or I need help with something. I've lived my entire life hiding that I, the fact that I need help and I'm, that I need help. And so once I've figured that out and I can't give you like a, like a, a 12 step process, but really it's, it's finding someone that you trust that you believe will not judge you for uh, coming forward and sharing, you know, hey, concerns or fears or, or whatever that is. And that's kind of some of that, that, that process of expose your fears, you know, write it down, like what's bothering you, write it down and see if that helps. Maybe then share that with someone and, and then maybe share it with someone else and then talk about it. And that will start to like peel back the onion. And the more you do it, um, the braver you will become. Because if you, you know, action, what is the, what's the phrase? It's something like um, action alleviates anxiety. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, because you're not taking action, you're becoming more, more anxious about it. And, you know, that, I think that, that phrase is really meant for, you know, doing work and, and, and maybe starting something that you're afraid to start. But that also, I think, applies here where, you know, the, like, to me, sharing my vulnerabilities, being vulnerable to someone is absolutely terrifying. But the more I do it, like, I never wanted to tell anyone that I had, you know, all this baggage and noise in my head, I would just like take care of myself with booze. Mm. Uh, but once I, I was brave enough to, to share some of it with someone, it became a little bit easier every time I did. And even like doing these podcasts, you know, I'm like, I'm putting it out there. People can judge me and that's mm. okay. That's, if you want to judge me, awesome. If you want to think better of me, awesome. If I can help one person by being a little bit vulnerable, I win. I don't yeah. care what kind of judgment I get. Yeah. So that's kind of the, um, that's kind of where I, I come from, but it took me a long time to get there. Like to say that I couldn't handle my shit was kind of, was, was not, not an easy uh, road to go down. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, man. I've, I've actually done a little bit of like men's group work, um, especially recently. And some of the things I think is interesting is like there's an opportunity to be vulnerable in that kind of environment. Number one, to be vulnerable, like you were saying, it, it's very freeing. It's like re releasing a load of fucking weight and it actually yeah. feels very free just to express some shit. The other thing is, is that when you're in a group of other people and a few people are going to be vulnerable, it's like, everybody's got shit, you know, everybody's yeah. got stuff and you're not alone, you know, and that's an interesting thing. And I think the third thing is it's, there's, I also believe in the law of reciprocity that for someone to give, someone has to be able to receive and for someone to yeah. receive, someone has to give. And when someone's vulnerable, it's an opportunity for other people to step up and help mentor them too. And like you said, that was like one of the most gratifying parts of you being a Navy SEAL mentoring other people. Yes. So um, it's, it's, it's a pretty beautiful cycle that, that can really happen there. And then someone told me once upon a time, you know, because I was, as I started being vulnerable about, you know, I'm afraid to ask for help. I've asked for help, but, you know, just kind of sharing. And someone said, well, how good do you feel when someone asks you for help? I feel pretty good about that. Like yeah. I help them. Well, why are you taking that joy away from someone else? Yeah. Oh, that's a completely different way to look at it. Yeah. So yeah, give it, give people that, you know, if you think you might need help, ask for it because people are waiting and willing to help you. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the biggest takeaways you had from the military, brother? 
gosh, there's a lot, you know, that whole, like the, the whole get naked mindset is, is part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, like we talked about earlier, I, I hated getting up in the morning, my mm -hmm. entire life, but now I do. And the reasons for it are a lot of the reasons for, you know, getting up early and working out in the military is you get up, you, you start the day with a, with a workout under your belt. You start the day before everyone else. You start the day and you start getting after it right away. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't like that. I didn't think about that when I was in the military. I'm like, oh, we just have to get up and do it. I don't want to do it. Um, but, you know, developing now, developing that habit of discipline to get up, uh, that habit of, of integrity, you know, um, I, I put a post, and actually I heard someone else say it. It's not my direct quote. Um, but it was, uh, discipline is the action of integrity and integrity is, you know, the definition, definition that I grew up with my entire life was doing mm. the right thing, even when no one is looking. Yeah. Um, and so, but there was another side of that, which is, you know, the doing in like integrity is in being whole, being a whole person, being a whole, uh, doing everything completely. So if you have something and you yeah. don't have in this little, like this mouse that I have here, if it's the, the, the pieces aren't integrated properly, if there's not good integrity there, it's not going to work properly. And so I've taken that lesson and, and sort of incorporated it into my life. And I also do uh, coaching now where I'm helping, you know, high performing CEOs and, and other leaders in small and medium sized business, businesses figure that out in their own life. And so, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've created some, some, some courses and, and some other things that I teach where I teach people, you know, life transitions. And really the way that I break that down is five seal secrets of life transitions. And it's really, um, it's about creating a plan. It's about briefing the plan, sharing that plan with someone. What do you want to do? Do you want to change your job? Do you want to start a company? Do you want to start? And then doing what's what I like to, what we call a dirt dive or a rock drill. And the more that I've incorporated this into my own life and helped other people incorporate it into their lives, the, 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 um, the ROI on it has been exponential. And what I mean by that is let's just say before we would go do a mission, we would brief the, we would, you know, give the mission brief. And then we would go out and we would practice the mission before we actually did the mission. So we would yeah. go get our, our comms, our headsets on our radios. We'd leave, we don't need guns or anything else, but we might load up, you know, get in vehicles get in the vehicles exactly like we're going to sit in them when we're driving to target, sit in the vehicles. Okay. The vehicles pull up, they drive 10 feet and then they pass over, you know, the radio. Okay. Get out. And then we all get out and then we walk 10 feet. And then we, you know, we're just going through these because there's transitions from, you know, being on our base, excuse me, to being in the bad guy land, transitioning from inside the vehicle to outside the vehicle, transitioning from, outside the target to inside the target building, from inside the target building to back to the vehicles. All of those transition points, those are points where we're vulnerable in life. Mm -hmm. But if we go through those and we practice those transitions, no matter what it is, you're doing something in your company, you're starting a new thing, you're gonna buy a new piece of real estate, you're gonna do whatever. Let's talk about the what ifs. What if something happens during this part of the mission? What if something happens during this part of the deal? What if, what if, what if? Then when we actually execute the, the, the plan, whatever it is, then when those what if things happen, because Murphy always has a vote, um, then we're able to, we have at least an idea of how we're going to 
adjust the mission according to those you know contingencies that we talked about and we practiced during that dirt dive phase and then when we're done we do an after action review and we uh like what worked and what didn't work and the things that didn't work we get rid of and we don't do those anymore we document it and then the things that worked we incorporate uh back into our plan so those transition points are the points where we're vulnerable not in a good way but in a bad way so we want to have a plan or some sort of contingency idea of how to navigate those you know when things go bad during those transition points and we have transition points every day in our life even if you talk about think about like getting up and going to work you get up you do whatever you do you transition from inside your house to inside of your car you're vulnerable right there because you're looking at your phone you're doing whatever you've got your coffee and your bagel and your whatever uh then you you're transitioning from you know your driveway out into the street did you really look both ways or were you on the phone uh you know going to your office parking parking lots there's so many transitions that happen in parking lots uh and then into the office and then back out and then back home there are all these are just little mini transition points where bad things can happen to you. So if you're aware and you have an idea of things that could happen, you're aware of, you know, ways to mitigate bad things from happening to you. So those are some things that I, I teach and I brought back from, you know, from my time in the military. You spoke about leadership before and, um, you know, you were dropping some nuggets on that. What's some of the biggest takeaways that you had from leadership? What did you really learn as a leader? Uh, I think probably the biggest, some of the biggest things that I learned were that, and I have a whole course on leadership as well, but um, leaders don't know everything. Mm. When the leader recognizes that, and I see this in corporate America all the time where, you know, a, a salesperson, the top salesperson is crushing it. They're doing everything right. And then the company wants to elevate them to a bigger, to a more of a leadership role. Their zone of genius is not leadership. Their zone of genius is sales. And they get into this role of leadership and operations and they fail. And the, and the organization is like, what happened? I thought you were awesome. You're awesome. Why are you, why are you failing? They didn't recognize that that person's zone of genius is not this thing up here. Um, and maybe that person didn't even want to be up there. And it's actually a pay cut because they were getting more money in commissions, you know, through, through sales. Uh, but a lot of failures of leaders are that they act and think that they know everything and they're afraid to ask junior personnel, how would we solve this problem? That's really one of the biggest things. And that's a beautiful thing about the SEAL teams is the most junior guy to the most senior guy, everyone has a vote, you know? What do you think about how to do this operation? You know, me as a senior guy, I'm like planning it, but I'll bring the junior guy in. What do you think about how do we, you know, what about this, you know, scenario? What would go wrong here? And I asked them and then they, you know, they'll give me a perspective that I never considered. And I'm like, oh, that was beautiful. Then, and we incorporate that into the mission. And so that's one of the biggest things that um, I think that most leaders fail in corporate America. Another beautiful thing about leadership that I like is, you know, going back to something I talked about earlier, where leaders get no bullets. If a leader is engaging in the day-to-day -day operations mm -hmm. of the organization, now it depends on the size of the organization. If there's only like a three-person, you know, organization, the leader's going to have to do a lot of the shooting. But in the, you know, in that in that contact drill, in that mock gunfight, that you know, when we're training on how to shoot, move, and communicate, 
leaders should never be shooting. They should be looking at what the enemy is doing, looking at what the um, what their opposition is doing, what the competition is doing in business. Look at what their team is doing and how they're performing. How are they positioned? How do I need to reposition the team? What's the terrain look like? What is the what's the market? What are we looking at? How what things could change? And then the leader has to make that decision and then communicate that what the next move is going to be to the team. And then the team moves. And then once the team gets to the new position, you know, trying to outmaneuver the competition, depending on the terrain, then the leader has to do what we like to call OODA loop. It's observe, mm -hmm. orient, decide, and act, which mm -hmm. was, was uh, an acronym that was created by a, I believe he was an Air Force pilot in Vietnam. And every time something happens, you have to reassess what's going on around you, reassess mm -hmm. what your team is doing, reassess what the enemy is doing. How did the, how did the competition react to your movement? And then, you know, orient yourself to what your next move needs to be. And then you act and then you do it all over again. And it's just a cycle. And so that's what leaders should be doing is, you know, talking to their junior people, communicating, and they should be making the decisions of what the organization needs to do. If they're shooting, then they're probably um, not, they're not seeing the big picture. Yeah. Wow, man. You know, looking at the military, like from the outside in, it looks like a super different way to live your life with a very different social um, structure, a very different culture than normal civilian life. Like what's it like transitioning from being in the military, especially being a Navy SEAL uh -huh. and then coming back to like civilian life? Um, so it's a, that's a great question. I, I like to say that my transition from the military to civilian life has been the hardest military mission that I've ever been on. And wow. I've been on a few and I'm still on this mission. I'm still figuring out because and it was, it was very difficult for me because, you know, when I was in the military, I was in the SEAL teams. I knew what my mission was. I knew what my purpose was. I knew who my team was. And when I retired, and I use air quotes as retired because you know you're you're never you never really you can retire, but you can't live off that piddly income that they give you. Yeah. Um, so you have to continue to to figure out other other ways to to make money. And so I so I I lost my team. I lost my purpose. I lost my mission. I lost everything. It was kind of like I the 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 um, analogy that I'm using most recently is the the movie the avengers where thanos made like half the world's population disappear with the rings and the stones and the whatever and you're having dinner there with your family you're engaging in conversation and then all of a sudden everyone is gone and you're there alone by yourself what happened where did everyone go what's my purpose what am i what do i do now and that was really the way that i felt and i've talked to other uh you know high level uh level individuals whether they were in the military whether they were in corporate america and they sold their company for billions of dollars uh professional athletes that have you know retired out of out of their sport and they're like what do i do now i don't have a team i don't have a mission i don't have a purpose i don't know what i'm what what do i do and so it took me a long time to find that and part of that was starting naked warrior recovery the the cbd company that i have but along with that is I've got lots of things that I'm doing now, but it took me a long time to sort of build this and figure this out. But the other kind of uh, mission that we have at Naked Warrior Recovery is this, this mission of 22 to zero. And when I was figuring out like, you know, mm -hmm. all, the, all the, the gurus out there that are talking about you know, what's your why, 
What is your purpose? And so I had to look at, I looked at me, first of all, I was like, we developed the highest quality CBD in the market. Okay, that's cool, but what's bigger than that? Um, and so I looked at where I came from, I'm a veteran, and I looked at the statistics and I found that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've wow. lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat in two theaters of operation. And then what? Wow. Yeah, 100%. Wow. And so what made it even more personal to me was that my dad is one of those veterans. My dad took his own life. And so uh, our mission, so that's like in stone, like our mm. mission is 22 to zero. We want to eliminate uh, veteran suicide and all suicide would be awesome. But you know, we have to focus on one thing and, and what, what we're doing for veterans, how we're helping veterans is, can help other people. And so we're using CBD as a modality to like help turn down the noise in their head. Um, I'm, and then the, the get naked mindset is really think, change the way that you're thinking about the world. Never quit on yourself. Never quit. Accept the failures that you're going to experience. Kill the mediocrity. You know, get up in the morning and like have a purpose. Go work out. Expose those fears, those things that are swirling around in the back of your head. I'm not going to job. I don't know what my purpose is. Like let's work on and find those, but then lastly, go do the work. And so, you know, these work in every environment from corporate to military to uh, mindset, uh, you know, across the world. And I've given this presentation, you know, quite a few times, uh, hoping to get on more stages and give it to more people and change the way that they think. Um, but you can apply this to pretty much everything. And then, you know, the, the other way that we're helping veterans and, and first responders is we're, we're trying to support organizations that do support that uh, transition from the military, uh, giving them tools and techniques and, and services, uh, helping, you know, find and support nonprofits that are, um, that, you know, that's also their mission is to reduce or and eliminate that, that veteran suicide through different kinds of uh, psychiatric services or, you know, some other techniques that, that are kind of proprietary, if you will, to them. And, you know, giving those to, to veterans to, you know, again, turn down that noise to help them find a purpose and find what their next mission is. Man, that's huge. That's, I can totally see how that's just driving you through, man. That's, that's monumental, bro. That's amazing. You. So, you know, obviously a lot of people in the military are experiencing things like anxiety, stress, probably sleep deprivation as well. That's something that common people, civilians are having experiences with too. Um, what would you say some of the ways that we can help, you know, improve these things in our life? Um, I think, you know, a lot of it is you have to change the way that you think. And I think one of the first things that you have to do is we wear uh, sleep deprivation, since you, since you mentioned that, the lack of sleep is a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Sleep is the most critical thing that you could possibly do in your life to make your life better. So I looked up once upon a time what the Guinness Book World Record was for the longest time without sleep. Do you know what that is? The longest time without sleep. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's like multiple days, uh, let's say like 72 hours. No, there actually is no, uh, Guinness book world record for not for sleep deprivation because it's, it is a, um, it's an ethical issue because mm. what they found is if you go too long without sleep, then 
it will damage your body in such a way that it will, you will have irrep irreparable damage to your brain and to your body. And so they're like, it's, they're like, it's safer taking a, an experimental balloon up into space with a spacesuit on and then jumping yeah. and doing a skydive back into earth. That's safer than going multiple days without sleep. Wow. That's crazy yeah. when you think about it like that. Yeah, that's, that's huge. So what do we do? How much sleep do we need? How do we get good sleep? I think, you know, from the, the research that I've done, everyone is different. There are anomalies out there that can go off and not have detrimental effects with five hours of sleep. Other people just need more. If you're a very young person, you need eight, 10, 12 hours of sleep. If you're older, yet you might need less, but it's, it's not so much the, the time of sleep, it's the quality of sleep that you get. So you'll see a lot of, um, it's becoming a little more trendy, I guess, to, to have wearables like the Aura Ring or the Whoop Strap or something like that uh, so that you can track your sleep, see how much REM sleep you get, how much you know, uh, deep sleep you get, how much, you know, uh, how many hours of sleep, how much time you were awake and things like that. So they, what they found is the better quality sleep is more important than the total time of sleep. Yeah. And I don't know like the metrics on, on all of those, but I, I wear a, a whoop strap. Actually I've modified it because I didn't like wearing two things on, on each wrist. So I, okay. I took the whoop strap and I wear it upside down and then I zip tied a $15 watch from Amazon onto the back of it. So I, oh. I can have a watch on my, on my whoop strap and only wear one, one device. Styling man. Love it. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I was looking on the Naked Warrior Recovery website. You guys have got some pretty badass CBD products on there. You've even got some dog chews on there. Yeah. Um, do you want to walk us through some of the products you guys have and how they can help us? So I mentioned earlier that, you know, one of our, our original mission was to, to develop the highest quality CBD on the, on the planet. And the reason for that is there's a lot of dirty players in the industry. The industry is starting to clean up, but you know, it's still pretty dirty. And, and what I mean by that is uh, once CBD became legal in the United States uh, the, after the passing of the Farm Bill of 2018, so December 20th of 2018, hemp became legal. Therefore, CBD became legal if it came from the hemp plant. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the FDA, you know, a couple of years later, they went out and, and did so a bunch of spot checks on products in the industry. And they found that most products, more than 70% either didn't have the CBD they said they had in them. They didn't have CBD in them. They had high levels of heavy metals, mercury, arsenic, lead, things like that. They had uh, maybe high, you know, outside the 0.3% or less THC. So it, that means that it did not come from the hemp plant. It came from a different plant. Yeah. Uh, it had you know, herbicides, pesticides, things like that. And if you're taking CBD to be a, I'm going to use air quotes here, not medical advice, but if you're taking it as a medicine, something to make your life better and make your body better, mm -hmm. then- you don't want to be putting a bunch of toxins and poisons and crap in your body. You're, you're defeating the purpose. And so, um, you know, people were like taking these, these hemp plants or the cannabis plant and they were, you know, extracting the, the CBD with like uh, turpentine in their mm -hmm. third bedroom or in their garage or whatever, and then trying to sell it. And so what we've done is we've, we've partnered with suppliers that, that you know, we, 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 we do a third party independent lab, third-party uh, testing of the oil that is ex extracted from the plant. 
and then we to make sure that it is what it is and says what it says and it's is what it's supposed to be and then we put that into uh we put it through a manufacturing process where we come up with we develop uh you know the tinctures with the oil that you put under your tongues topicals maybe gummies pet treats i have a cbd energy drink um other topicals and then we test the final product to make sure that the final product has what we say that it has in it and there was no contamination during the manufacturing process we're one of the few companies that that does that and so the products that we have everything has a qr code on it uh so you can scan the qr code i don't know if you can see that mm -hmm. or if this will be video uh and then you know input the lot number of the product that you have and it'll show you the exact lab results of everything that we that we test but yeah again we have wow, we have cool. soft that's gels awesome. we have a sleep product that is it has 25 milligrams of of cbd in it it has three milligrams of cbn which is a uh a another minor cannabinoid from the hemp plant so the hemp plant has over 120 minor cannabinoids cbd thc cbn cbg all these other and terpenes which are essential oils and there's a whole industry out there about essential oils mm -hmm. but the hemp plant has all these essential oils in it um and so and they're in the in the product and so we, we what we sell mostly is a i forgot where i was going with that but uh we sell mostly a broad spectrum product because some people are not cool with the, the molecule thc so we extract that molecule thc out but we maintain all the other minor cannabinoids and terpenes in the hemp plant. Oh, I know what I was saying. CBN, uh, CBN is one of those minor cannabinoids, and it's the sedative molecule from the hemp plant. And mm. so, that's one of my favorite products because I have a hard time going to sleep at night. Yeah, and I wake up a bunch of times at night because you know I will I will start sleeping. I'll I'll maybe I'll get tired, and then I'll be stupid and I'll like work on something or I'll watch a video or. And then I'll push through that tired point and I'm like, get my second wind. And then I can't go to sleep until one or two o'clock in the morning. Mm. So when I take that product, I, I take two, uh, two at night, about an hour before I'm ready to go to bed, I'll get tired. And then if I go to those bad habits of like watching stuff or trying to work on stuff, I can never push through that tired point. And at some point I'm like, okay, you're right. Go to bed, stupid. And I'll go to bed and I'll sleep and get up at six in the morning and, and start all over again or five, depending on what's going on. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, in, so we have uh, also have a, a CBD energy drink. Um, again, this is not medical advice. It has 12 and a half milligrams of CBD, 75 milligrams of caffeine, like a cup of coffee. And I had someone reach out to me and say, this product helped me get off my Adderall. It helped me, yeah, wow. you know, like I have the focus that I need throughout the day to get things done. And I don't have the jitters at the end of the day. I was like, that is awesome. Yeah. I'm not making that claim at all, but it was cool to get that kind of feedback. So we, we've got a, a host of, I think about 12 different products uh, to choose from different. We've got gummies if in, in the event that, you know, you can't swallow. So the, you know, Josh who introduced us, he can't swallow a pill. And so he actually takes the, the, the sleep soft gels and he'll like chew them up and then swallow the oil that way. But you can hey. also take gummies if you, if you, if you can't swallow. 
It's amazing stuff, man. CBD is like just, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. I actually got introduced to some topical C, CBD. Um, I actually had some moles on my arms that were starting to go a little bit funky, starting to change color and change shape. And I put some topical on there and I just like on a band aid and I kept changing it out every couple of days. And then after a couple of weeks, like literally no mole there at all. And I've done that to like four different moles all over my body. But like you know, awesome. C, CBD is like, it's checking the box is ethically for me because the pharmaceutical industry has just brought a lot of really fucked up shit to the table over the yeah. last however many decades so many people are like hooked on prozac and they're like stuck on it for the rest of their life and there's just like there's way too much in the pharmaceutical industry and to start to bring these more natural products back into the scene i just think it's an amazing thing that you're doing man yeah, thank you very much you know and and some people have said well you know cbd is not fda certified so I have a couple things to say about that. Cigarettes are FDA certified. Does that mean you want to smoke? <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's a, that's a question. But you also want it, but if you're going to choose CBD, you want to make sure you have a high quality product. And mm -hmm. someone asked me once upon a time, what's the difference between, and you can see, find CBD everywhere. There's a CBD yeah. store on like every street corner of everywhere. But you want to make sure that you're getting a high quality product. And and what I mean by that, someone asked me once upon a time, what's the difference between your CBD and the CBD that I can get in the, in the gas station down the road? And I wish this was my answer, but the guy that was standing next to me said, well, let me ask you this. What's the difference between the sushi that you get in a sushi house and, and the sushi that you get at that gas station down the road in, in somewhere in Tennessee? Yeah. Do you really want to roll the bones with gas station sushi? Why would you roll the bones with gas station CBD? Yeah, man. and so that's that is really the you know still a lot of bad actors out there. There are some good there's some good companies out there, but there's still a lot of bad ones. And so just make sure that you get a good quality product. Apart from especially like, if you're you going to put it in your body, getting products from Get Naked, like how would we know? Like how does the normal person know if they're getting like good quality CBD? Uh, there should be the 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 certifications of acceptance. Mm -hmm. should be on their website. There should be current certificate, mm -hmm. like those that third-party independent lab, third-party testing should be okay. somewhere on their website. Okay. Uh, and, and again, from us, we, we put QR codes on all of our products. So you can go and like look at the lot number and see uh, where and what you're, you're actually getting when you get that bottle uh, or tube or whatever of CBD. Beautiful. Love it. Bringing good quality to the table. So what's got you most excited over the next 12 months, mate? Uh, I am trying to get on as many stages as possible to really talk about the, the get naked mindset and share that with, with as many people as possible. And then yeah. pick up a few coaching clients along the way. Have you thought about doing a Ted talk? I have actually. Yeah. And if you could help get me on that one at uh, Ted stage, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think that I'm not afraid like, to ask for help. There you anymore. go. Well, you could do it naked too, man. <laughs> I could. <laughs> Beautiful. So, um, yeah, I may man. have to blur that part out though. I don't know if they'll <laughs> let me on stage that, like that. <laughs> um, what's, what's one piece of advice that you could leave our freedom hackers with mate? Oh, let's see. I think, I think, um, make bold adjustments. If you are struggling with something in your life, if you're just kind of stuck, you need to make a bold adjustment. And what I mean by that is, you know, going back to when I was uh, teaching sniper, I was a sniper instructor. I was a sniper in the, in the, in the SEAL teams. And as a sniper, 
we, you know, when we start that work up all over again, maybe we get new guns or new guys come in, new leadership comes in and they need to recite in their weapon. We'll go to the range. We'll start sighting in our weapons and the, the bullets are like way over here to the, to the left and they'll make adjustments to their, to their scope or whatever. You would think that all Navy SEALs would know how to sight in their gun. They don't. I, I'm just going to tell you that, <laughs> uh, fun fact. Um, and so when I would see them, they're like, there's something wrong with the gun or the scope or the sights or something. And I would just go over there and I would just make just ridiculous, unrealistic adjustments to their, to their scope, just like make multiple turns. And they're like, what are you doing? And then I would say, okay, go ahead and, and shoot again. Maybe we're like, maybe I went too far. We'll see. And so when they shoot, I definitely went too far, but they're much closer to the bullseye mm. than they were making two or three clicks at a time. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. And I would just Gosh, go. Yeah. And then like, I would make these bold adjustments. Then they could see the corrections that needed to be made. And because they were closer to the bullseye, then they could make the smaller adjustments. So using that analogy in life, if you are stuck and you want to make change, then you need to do, don't make little changes. There is a time to make small adjustments, but if you want to make actual change in your life, make bold adjustments. And then once you see where you are after that bold adjustment, then you can make those micro adjustments to get back right on target where you need to be. That's so freaking interesting that you mentioned that, man. Because like last year, I kind of fell off the bandwagon with my fitness and I was working like 80 hours a week and I was out of balance. And, you know, for the last kind of like 12, 15 years, I've been working out pretty hard. But last year, I really fell off. And so one of my mates actually called me up to do the four by four by 48 challenge. And I'm like, well, that's cool. It's like four miles every four hours for 48 hours. But I'm going to have to train to do that. So then one of my other mates called me up to uh, to do the 75 hard challenge, um, which is basically uh, 75 days where you drink a gallon of water, um, do two workouts a day. One has to be outside no matter what the weather is. Uh, stick to a diet read 10 pages of book and take a progress photo. And that I'm actually doing that. I'm kind of in the fifth week right now. Um, I'm doing my four by four by 48 in a couple of weeks here. But like, that was like a massive shift. I knew I wasn't going to go, hey, I'm just going to go back to working out. I'm just going to go like, you know, do three, four CrossFit, CrossFit workouts a week. I need to do something massive. And yeah. um, by doing that massive change, you know, um, one of the dietary things is no, no alcohol. So I feel freaking amazing, man. It's had a radical shift. I'm only like four weeks deep and I've, I've literally shifted the way I am. So like that, that whole, like not working out thing, it's gone. And um, yeah. it's, it's because I'm following the advice that you're talking about here. So make totally those bold adjustments. And, and then, yeah, a hundred percent and, and, and not negotiating with yourself. Yeah, man. So how do our freedom hackers keep the conversation going with you, mate? I would say, I think, Number one, if you want to learn more about the get naked mindset, I would go to the number five seal secrets, the, the number five SEAL secrets.com, put your name and email in there. And then I will email you a, a it's a PDF. It's a link to a PDF of, of these five seal secrets. Um, it's very much the, the presentation that I give on stage. Uh, and just to kind of give you a little bit of, of insight into how that has impacted some other people's lives. When I first created this document, um, I was, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. He's in the outdoor apparel industry and he was struggling with, you know, his, his ex-wife, he was struggling with the CEO of the company that he works for. 
uh, because they had just gotten a bunch of uh, venture capital uh, cash inject in the, in the VC company, they want their money back you know, very quickly. So they wanted to double profits quarter over quarter. And the CEO was putting all that pressure onto my buddy. And so I was like, okay, Jim, uh, so you need to have a meeting with your CEO. You need to like talk about the, you know, near medium long-term goals of the company and then come up with a plan and then sort of, you know, plan backwards from there. And by the way, while you're at it, you know, why don't you check out my five seal secrets, give me some feedback and, and things like that. So he went there, he, he downloaded the document, he read it, then he printed it off and he laminated it and he, he put it on his wall. And the next day he went into uh, the CEO and he said, he said, um, Bryce, listen, and my friend is not forward like this. He's like, Bryce, listen, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to perform for you. And so the CEO was like, what? Uh, first of all, hold on. Number one, why are you being forward? Because you're never forward. Number two, <laughs> why are you being uh, honest? And number three, why are you saying you're afraid? No one does any of those things. And he was like, my buddies gave me these five seal secrets and I'm exposing my fear right now. I'm afraid if you come at us the way that you did the other day, then I will not be able to perform for you the way that you need me to perform for you. La, 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 la. He was like, oh, can I get a copy of those five seal secrets? And so that's turned into <laughs> uh, some other speaking and, and coaching engagement. So that was, uh, that was a pretty cool feedback. So, so again, that, that website is the number five sealsecrets.com uh, to, to download that. And, you know, that does come from my email. So you can reply to that and say, hey, let's, you know, maybe, maybe someone wants, you know, is interested in coaching or, or maybe some other questions for CBD. The website is nw-recovery.com, or you can write in nakedwarriorrecovery, all word and word.com. Um, I changed it from naked warrior recovery, just because I don't know if everyone wants to write the word naked into their search engine. I don't know why <laughs> it was just an epiphany I had one day. And so I did, I changed it to uh, NW recovery, but you can type in naked warrior recovery and it will go to the website. Beautiful. And you know what, let's just, let's do this right now. Let's do, uh, I'll give your, all of your, um, listeners, if they want it, uh, a discount code, uh, let's just go with freedom 20 to okay. get 20% off, uh, off their purchase. Okay, so that's 20% off purchases at Naked Warrior Recovery. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Definitely something to take advantage of. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, all of these links are going to be in the show notes too. So all you have to go is go down to the show notes, click on the links, and you'll be able to have access to all of that. We'll also have the Freedom 20 code in there as well. Uh, William, thank you so much, brother, yes, for sir. being thank a vulnerable man, for being a real man, for being a leader, for sharing all your wisdom. You know, I wish you all the best with taking that 22 to zero, man. That's just a fucking monumental mission. And, um, you know, I'm really feeling it for you, brother, and uh, really appreciate appreciate you thanks for being who you are and uh it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on freedom Hack. yes Radio, sir mate i appreciate you thank you for having me any final words i i think that's it i we're gonna we're gonna roll from there beautiful <laughs> all right well thank you very much and for all of our freedom hackers this is freedom hack radio i'm your host bryce robertson and until next week live large live free
G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at Freedom Hack Radio.